Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hi guys, welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. Wow, it's here, isn't it? It's been a long hiatus. Wow, it when season six ended and it felt like, what, nine months to kill? <laughs> no pun intended. It seemed like a long time. Those of you who have stuck with me through the hiatus and listened to the rewatches, I really intended to, <laughs> to finish season two. But, well, I got episode ten out there with about, what was it, about five or six weeks before the new season and I thought, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. I didn't do it. <laughs> so apologies for not finishing season two off. I guess it'll be the new year before we get round to that. Uh, thanks to those of you who very kindly send in, sent in some feedback for season two, episode 11. I have it in the bank and uh, we will get to that when I get round to recording the next rewatch podcast. For those of you who uh, listen to Dissecting Dexter just for the review shows as as the new seasons air. Um, great to have you back. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the hiatus and have been uh, all been well and uh, are looking forward to this new season. For me, as I say, I've, I've, I would like to say I've been busy with the rewatch shows. Um, I have done some. I've not been as busy with them as uh, some would say I should have been. Uh, but... Highlights of the hiatus for me, um, I don't know if you've stayed subscribed to the feed or not, the podcast feed, but I got two interviews with cast members, which was a really big thrill for me. I was so excited. The first one was David Zayas, who I spoke to way back in, oh, was it April? Wow. Yeah, Easter time. And uh, and that was great. Uh, I got about three quarters of an hour with David and um, we talked about his character, his career, um, what he thinks of the various storylines in Dexter. He uh, gave a defence of the, the Deb, Dexter, Deb in love with Dexter storyline. Uh, it, was, it was a good chat. And then in the summer, I had a chat with everybody's favourite computer geek, Josh Cook, who of course plays Lewis Green in Dexter. And Josh was brilliant. He was such a nice guy. Uh, not that David Zayas wasn't, but I don't know. I just seemed to... He and I, uh, Josh and I just seemed to have a bit of a rapport. We had uh, very similar interests in TV shows and we just seemed to hit it off. And um, understandably, I was, as I am, I, I get nervous before speaking to these guys. And I was nervous before David Zayas as well. And um, just with that rapport with Josh, it, it, it helped me ease into the interview. And he was so generous with his time. He went over an hour. And we, he's a fan of the, of the show as well, so we were really able to go into some of the stuff that's happened historically in Dexter, not just the current stuff. Um, so it's a non-spoiler interview, and uh, so go back and check those out if you've missed them. Hi, this is Josh Cook, and you're listening to Dissecting Dexter. So we're all set now, all systems go for a new season. Season 7, what ought to really be the penultimate season... I am hoping to <laughs> hoping to get one of these podcasts out each week and keep up with the show as it aired. I didn't quite manage it last season. I had to miss a week. That was because of work commitments. Uh, it just wasn't possible to record uh, every week. Um, 
This season, I already know that there will be one week I'm not going to be able to record, and that will be the week following episode five, I think, if I've, if my calendar is right. Uh, that is because I'm going to be away on holiday that week, so I'll be able to see the episode, but I just won't have time to record that week. Um, but we'll talk. I'll remind you guys of that nearer the time, um, because it'll still be nice to get some feedback, and we can cover that the week after. Before we get into the first review of the first episode of season seven i'd like to mention a bit of charity work that jennifer carpenter is undertaking i say charity work she's running the new put my teeth back in see i'm starting already new york marathon on november the 4th this year she's running it for charity for every mother counts which is a charity founded by supermodel christy turlington to raise money to help pregnant women in places where they could be miles away from any kind of health care. The hope is to reduce the number of women who die in pregnancy and childbirth. A very worthy cause, I'm sure you'll agree. Jennifer has a donation page where you can donate money uh, for the cause, for Every Mother Counts, and the URL where you can go and do that, it's quite a long one, so bear with me, it's www.crowdrise.com slash team EMC 2012 slash fundraiser slash Jennifer Carpenter. OK, last thing before we get into the review. The ratings for this season's premiere are the highest. Well, it's the highest rated Dexter premiere ever. Its premiere's ratings have grown year on year, in fact, and this season is up 10% on the season 6 opener, with 3.04 million viewers for the night. It ranks as Showtime's top telecast of the year, and it's still the number one rated series on Showtime. Now, when I saw these numbers, it's great for the show, obviously, it's great for Showtime that the show is, is continuing to grow in viewership and that there's still... Well, it does seem that there's renewed interest and I'm sure once word got round that Deb had found out, <laughs> maybe there were some former viewers who had jumped off the, off the train, as it were, uh, have come back to it. And maybe I'll get feedback from one or two people who are among those. My only fear with these increasing ratings is that Showtime won't want to let go of Dexter at the end of Season 8. That's not to say that ratings will drop off into Season 8, and maybe that won't be an issue anyway, but um, it would be nice to think that the writers have a full timeline now and can plan the ending we all... Uh, or, or plan uh, an appropriate ending, plan it and pace it the way they want to, and I just hope Showtime don't wait until season eight to say oh uh you can have season nine and ten i just hope that doesn't happen <laughs> and i'm sure most of you will will agree with that um no one wants the show to just fizzle out right i've waffled enough let's let's crack on with the first season the first episode review of season seven the episode title of season seven episode one is are you original air date the 30th sub 30th of September 2012, written by showrunner Scott Buck and directed by series regular John Dahl. Here we go. part the episode was all about well rightly all about dexter and deb and the fallout of the discovery and indeed major progression in that storyline 
The exception was the setting up of the Russian mob stuff, the death of Mike Anderson being a device to establish establish great incentive for Miami homicide to pursue the investigation feverishly. It's evidently going to be the case that keeps the likes of Quinn and Batista busy. I don't immediately lump LaGuerta in there because she's obviously got her own little investigation to get on with, but we'll get to that in a bit. Obviously the meat of the episode, and the thing we really care about most, is what happened with Deb and Dexter. Now, at Comic-Con, Showtime gave away what they said were the first two minutes of the opening episode, and it really threw me when the opening scene was something different. Dexter apparently attempting to make a getaway. It really unsettled me. It, it certainly seemed to be a flash-forward of sorts, a trick that I don't think we've ever seen on Dexter before. It's done by other shows quite often, Breaking Bad being a major one. Once I realised it was a flash-forward, I was thinking, how far forward have we jumped? Are we seeing the end of the season? We saw that Dexter's credit cards weren't working, making me think maybe he's on the run and the police have blocked his cards, but then again, if there was a manhunt on for him, would he be stupid enough to use his credit card and give them something to track him with? So... I really was puzzled for a while there, but didn't get long to think about it because we then jumped back to the church where we left Deb and Dexter at the end of last season and we got the scene they showed at Comic-Con. Just an aside here, I think if they'd shown us a scene with Dexter apparently making a getaway at Comic-Con, that would have got us theorising a lot more than over what they did show us. Not that I'm complaining, it's, it's just a thought. Actually, it would have probably pissed a lot of people off, panicking that we wouldn't see what happens after Dexter's, oh God. <laughs> but there was no need to worry. We got a really fascinating scene in the church. Deb's immediate reaction to pull her gun on her brother. Yes, pulling a gun on her brother. <laughs> a knee-jerk reaction. She soon put it away, but... It was a wonderfully crafted exchange. Dexter obviously in a situation where he had to call on every ounce of his ability to think quickly, while at the same time his stomach probably doing somersaults and his heart threatening to beat its way out of his chest. But he did a brilliant job of staying fairly composed, portraying the right level of shock and essentially seducing Deborah into helping him destroy the scene. She asked most of the right questions, all of which she had an answer for, and you could see the shift in her from wanting to take him in to ending up helping him, thereby putting herself in a career-threatening position, aiding a murderer, should this ever all come out. But help him, she does. We make it look like a suicide. Frustrated that the world didn't end like he predicted, Travis committed ritual suicide at the church altar, stabbing himself with his sword. Phoebe. But not before first setting the church on fire. Fire is biblical. One last tableau. And it'll erase any trace that we were ever here. How did we do that? Would it have to burn so fast? Gasoline, there's a station nearby. I'll go get a couple of gallons. No, Deb, go home. I'll do it. I know what I'm doing. Bullshit. 
perhaps this is partly why the writers set up the Deb in love with her brother thing last year to make her succumbing to Dexter's suggestions all the quicker with little or no resistance. That said, it won't surprise any of you that I still maintain that their existing brother-sister bond would have been perfectly plausible and sufficiently strong enough to have her help him. And it was so enthralling to see the scene play out. On the official Dexter wrap-up podcast... Podcast? Podcast! <laughs> Which I should say is um, all new for this season. I don't know if everybody out there listening to this will be aware of it. Showtime have uh, started an official podcast following... Well, it'll be uploaded shortly after each episode airs on the TV. Uh, it's hosted by writer or one of the writers, Scott Reynolds... And if you already subscribe to the Showtime Dexter feed on iTunes, you will get the podcast downloaded automatically. If you're not already subscribed to that, then you'll want to go on there and, and subscribe to it right away. It was actually a really enjoyable listen. The first episode has an interview with Jennifer Carpenter. And what I was wanting to say in relation to this opening scene, Jennifer describes this scene as a seduction in that she's so vulnerable to Dexter's manipulation. Because initially, I was jarred by how easy Dexter got her to help him and accept that this was a one-off. But the more I thought about it, the more it made sense. And then to hear Jennifer talk about the scene, it affirmed my own thoughts. She got totally sucked in, but I loved how through the episode her head was starting to overrule her heart. She knew things didn't quite add up and rightly resumed her questions, much to Dexter's annoyance. I liked his frustration in the office when he said, why can't she just drop it? But he's not giving her intelligence enough credit. Yes, <laughs> it would suit him if she did just drop it, and even though she's seen him kill someone, she doesn't know he's a serial killer. But she's a clever woman, and a good detective, and she's come a long way. Nothing sits right with her about the whole thing, and memories start to stir in her head the most significant one being the night she was on Brian Moses' table, back in season one, wrapped in plastic just like Travis Marshall. She already knew Brian and Dexter were brothers, by this point, of course, uh, not in season one, but through the episode this week, she recalls some of the conversation between them as she lay there, we thought, unconscious on Brian's table, but it seems... As she was starting to come round, she heard more than she was able to immediately recall. And maybe with the stress and tension and seeing Travis wrapped up like that, it's, it's, it's brought back some of these hidden subconscious, subconscious memories. And it's at this point <laughs> I have to give credit to listener and previous podcast guest Matt Cook, who had always held this belief that at some point she would have a eureka moment and remember more from that night and remember Brian talking to Dexter. Matt, <laughs> you were right. And I couldn't help but smile when we saw Deb's flashback. I was picturing you cartwheeling around your living room. <laughs> but all these revelations in her head, put together with what happened in the church and Dexter's confidence that he knew what he was doing, Deb's conversation with Jamie when she learned that Dexter spends a lot of nights out claiming to be working, it all piled into a big heap of oh shit and led her to search his apartment 
And did she ever hit the mother load, the knives, the bloodslide collection, and the hand that Lewis sent? Not sure where that had got to. <laughs> we didn't see Dexter find it, so maybe Jamie tidied the box away. But Deb must have stripped the place clean to find the slides. And we had that final scene, Deb sitting there, all the evidence in front of her, at which point there was no use in Dexter trying to talk his way out of it. Did you kill all these people? I did. Are you... Are you a serial killer? wonderfully acted. Dexter's face fell, knowing there was no point trying to deny it. Arguably, maybe a bigger cliffhanger than in the church. Being caught killing one person is nothing compared to being found out to be a serial killer. So, I'm just dying to find out what happens next. This is Dexter at its best. Dexter in genuine trouble, and not just from Deb. Of all the people to find out, Deb's the only one who might, just might, be able to accept it. Elsewhere, Lewis is trying to cause trouble for him, cancelling his credit cards for starters. What's next? But what you bet that something Lewis does puts Dexter in mortal danger at the worst possible time, or maybe puts Deb or Harrison in danger. I like Jamie sticking up for Dexter. Clear cracks developing in the loomy relationship, perhaps. Let's not forget the not-so-minor detail of the blood slide Laguerta found. She began by doing the right thing and logging it into evidence, but on speaking to Masuka, she pocketed it. So, it looks like she'll be doing her own Doke-style investigation. She won't be suspecting Dexter yet, but how long is it going to be until she remembers the friction between Dokes and Dex in Season 2 that preceded him being hunted as the Bay Harbour Butcher? As a character who hasn't had anything major to do, perhaps... Ever? <laughs> this is LaGuerta's big moment. I really bet Lauren Velez is absolutely ecstatic about this storyline. And it does make a change for at least some of the supporting cast to have a direct connection to the main Dexter story arc. Who knows? She may confide in, confide in Batista as her investigation goes on. She knows he's someone she can trust. And I love that this is something else. Another storyline that's coming back to the show in addition to Brian and Deb remembering stuff from season one. As the show seemingly has an end in sight, it's fitting for it to start to come full circle like this and pull in things from the beginning like this. I think so anyway. So let's just touch on the other stuff in the episode. Mike Anderson's death. That wasn't really a massive surprise. I already knew that actor Billy Brown had a role in another TV show, Sons of Anarchy. Plus, I'd seen a spoiler that someone dies early on. Plus, in the casting news over the hiatus, we learned about Jason Gedrick's character, that he's the manager of the strip club, who we heard would be linked to a high-profile murder case. So it wasn't much of a leap to think that Mike would be on his way out. But did anyone really care? He had so little to do last year that we had no reason to be invested in him or care about his welfare. Like so many of you, though, I did like his flamingo thing. But he served a purpose, 
to set up the Miami homicide arc for the season and give Dexter some bad guys to take out, as he did in this episode. Although, I was a little surprised he wasted no time in cracking on with another kill, what with him being so well and truly on Deb's radar. But as my wife just reminded me on the phone before I started recording, Dexter needed to retake control. And this was the way he saw fit to do it. It's the way he knows best to do it, arguably. But this particular kill was probably a low point of the episode for me. Firstly, would anyone be able to take a bunch of hypodermics in their hand luggage like that and get away with not showing a prescription? And this in post-9-11 America, where understandably security is a priority, a top priority. So that was one thing. And the other was simply Dexter's choice of kill room. It's Miami International Airport, for pity's sake. It's not a backwater airstrip, staffed by two full-time elderly employees and the gophers on the airfield. I know Dexter had to move fast if this guy wasn't going to get away, but... In light of what happened in the church, you'd have expected him to exercise a bit more caution. Surely better to let the guy go and not get caught, right? But the disappearance of this Russian mobster looks like it's going to set up the introduction of Ray Stevenson's character, the mob boss, who we got a glimpse of this week. I love the actor from his work on HBO's Rome, and I can't wait to see him inevitably butting heads with Dexter. So, overall... This was a really enjoyable and tense episode. It did feel a little strange though. Not in a bad way, but with the game changer of Deb's discovery, the change was really palpable. I could really feel it. I was tense, thinking that anything could happen. I was tense, wondering where they'll go. I was more on edge, completely. But those things have to be good, don't they? I don't call them negatives. The writers will certainly want us to fear for what will happen. I think it was a worthy season premiere. It didn't disappoint in following through with what they pulled the trigger on in the season 6 finale. It also ramped up the Lewis storyline by having him start to screw with Dexter's life. It set up what will probably be a season-long case involving the Russian mob. Or certainly a good chunk of the season. Something to keep Miami Homicide busy. And most intriguingly now, I'm invested in what LaGuerte is up to. Bringing back the Bay Harbour butcher case and what happened with Dokes. I love the callback and I'm really looking forward to where it's going to go. I suspect it probably won't end well for LaGuerte, but if it doesn't, at least she'll go out with a quality storyline. Right, over to you guys. Listener Feedback Before we get into the feedback, I just want to quickly mention something that I should have mentioned in the intro. And that is just to thank uh, Mike Lanich, Matt Battles and Travis Shefflin who joined me for the Season 7 preview show a couple of weeks ago. We had a great dis- discussion putting the world to rights and covering just about every topic under the Dexter sun. We went for over two hours but I think it's all good stuff. They really brought their A-games and for that I'm extremely grateful. 
I didn't have to say much, which makes a change from my usual waffle. So, again, like the interviews, if you've just resubscribed to the podcast feed for the new season, go back and have a listen to that. Okay, feedback. Uh, Firstly, thanks to some new iTunes reviewers who have posted five-star reviews for me. Thanks to Candy Lies, Poison Mist, Sandy the German, D. Kalemel and Danielle H. No matter what you try, no matter when, no matter how hard you work, I'll always be a step ahead of you for one simple reason. And what's that? I own you. Dissecting Dexter. Okay, firstly, let's go through some of your comments that have been posted on the podcast Facebook page. Nicholas Nelson posted and mentioned the official Showtime Dexter survey after last season and that it seems the writers took things to heart. The survey asked specifically about such things, including uh, Deb and Dexter's relationship, whether we wanted more or less of certain characters, how we felt about different character interactions and storylines. And Nicholas... Uh, mentions that it does sound like the writers listened to him specifically. Uh, Mike Herkham posted and said, Great first episode. Felt like the first scene in the church was a slight anticlimax after waiting six years for it. But that may be because I watched the first two minutes when they previewed it. It was still very tense watching Deborah react to it all. Seeing Dexter back to his old ways, though, helped a lot helped later on in the episode and lots of Deborah season one realizations which I was pleased they did the ending made up for the shaky starts and I think it's going to be a great season I'm really liking the Lewis tension building up as well just waiting for it to all kick off now between them yes indeed Mike it could have been an anticlimax had the seduction not been so fascinating also on the Facebook page Bob DeGrand posted uh, Bob hosts the Dexter cast, which is a great podcast, it's an intro cast doing a rewatch of the series from the start with two seasoned Dexter viewers and two watching it for the first time. You can get the podcast from the Dexter, oh, sorry, I'll read that again, thedextercast.com, and it's also on iTunes. Bob says of the premiere, I liked a lot of it. The Deb. Dexter's storyline that everyone was terrified of last season feels like a distant memory. I assumed that the reveal would be a lot more limited than it turned out to be in the final scene, and I'm very happy with that development. I love LaGuerta having the blood slide. I was a Dokes fan and now have some hope for him being vindicated. As one who has hoped that Lewis would be this season's big bad, I love the tension building between Dexter and him. I still don't like Quinn changing personalities every few minutes. Victor was played by Enver... Oh, do I even attempt to pronounce this guy's name? (laughs) Victor was... Here here we go, try this. Victor was played by an actor from Dollhouse, one of my favourite actors, so I'm sorry to see him gone, as well as Mike Anderson, another character introduced last season that I thought might have a bigger role this season. Thanks, Bob. I was a big Dokes fan too, even more so through the rewatch. I'm really up for what they look to be doing with LaGuerta. Quinn... I didn't really mention him in the review, but we didn't get any hint he's willing to seek help with his issues. Plus, this is only a couple of days later than when we last saw him, so I suspect it won't be long before he causes trouble again. I still hold on to the theory that he'll redeem himself by making a sacrifice to save someone else, perhaps Batista or Deb. 
and the guy from Dollhouse that you mentioned. I'm not familiar with him, but then I didn't watch Dollhouse, so can't comment. But my feelings that Billy Brown wanted to leave the show for a better role on Sons of Anarchy, and so his character was turned into a plot device to trigger the Russian mob story arc. Tommy Shelton posted also on the Facebook page to say, Felt very much like the first couple of seasons of Dexter. Love the flashbacks. No overly stupid Quinn and Batista. Very satisfied with how it started. Just hope they keep it up. I also loved how they got rid of Mike quick because we knew he was going to die to be on Sons and how they didn't drag out Deb finding out all of it for six or seven episodes. Very well done. Yes, Tommy, having Deb discover so much so fast really makes you wonder where they're going to take her up this season. It'll be a season of potential acceptance rather than discovery, it seems. Scott Buck on the Wrap Up podcast talked about pulling the trigger so early on Deb discovering opened up the door for a whole load of potential storylines, so it sounds like they've got plenty up their sleeves. Also, Jason Allison and Heisenberg White both rated this episode as better than all of season six, Jason commenting that maybe this show still has chance of redemption. Yes, guys, I have to agree about the comparison to season six, although we shouldn't rate a season based on one episode. Early signs are all positive. So anyone who's been toying with the idea of getting off the bus should maybe hold fire. Sandra Pizer posted on Facebook and said, I really like this episode. LaGuerta is making sure she gets killed this season. Was it just me, or did the jump ahead in time feel like something they use on Breaking Bad a lot? Hope they will not try to copy their style. Surely Dexter is less organised, and by this taking the path to his end. Yes, Sandra, I don't fancy LaGuerta's survival chances if she discovers Dexter's secret, and I'm willing to bet that she's going to. Although, being honest, it's quite a safe bet, perhaps. The flash-forward was quite jarring when they've never done it before on Dexter, but I don't mind them doing it. It is something they do on Breaking Bad a lot, and it can become a bit of a gimmick, but when done well, it's very effective. Hi, Gareth. This is Casper uh, from Denmark. What a, great way, what a great way to start a new season. Yeah, there's a, a lot in store for, for us, I think, for this season. I mean, it's it's all on the table now, uh, figuratively speaking. Uh, the, the final scene with Deborah sitting there in, his, in Dexter's apartment uh, where she had find, she found a, a lot of evidence. She got her... It's all on the table. And, uh, wow, I mean, the, the final uh, sentence from Dexter's uh, mouth when he admits that he's a serial killer. That's uh, that's a big thing, and I think it's very brave by the by the writers that they uh, in the first episode puts everything out there and reveals everything. Uh, I mean that's uh, very interesting, and I'm looking very forward to this season. So uh, in summary, I think it was a great episode. Um, some great stuff by. Um, Jennifer Carpenter, Michael C. Hall, uh, they had some great scenes together. Uh, I mean, I liked, I think Jennifer really, really, uh, the latest ever seasons have really shown her talent. Uh, and I think she, in this season, also was going to be a prominent figure. Uh, I like the way that um, we were kind of fooled to believe that the that the, she 
she was kind of uh, only thinking it was a one-off with Dexter, but well, she, we have to- been told time and time again by the writers uh, that she is a great detective, and um, well, she showed that. Of course, the things that you and uh, a lot of other people have talked about, uh, if she remembered anything from being on the table with uh, Dexter and his brother, well, she did. And uh, I think that was that was great, seeing those kind of going full circle uh, back to the season one. So I think uh, very nice done, very good work. Um I like the start of the episode. I mean, I think it was it was a kind of uh, fun not to start in the church, but actually start seeing Dexter on the run. I mean, uh, a lot of us has, have have talked about that that could be the possible end of Dexter, and uh, I think it was fun. It was fun to see it. One of the things I I've thought about afterwards was uh, we saw that Dexter's credit cards got declined, and I kind of afterwards start thinking was that something in his mind because later we saw he actually was going to the airport and we also saw Lewis canceling his credit cards so I st- I'm not sure uh, if if this is real or was something he uh, imagined uh, I mean we saw him take his his um, bag uh, by tearing a hole in the wall and, uh, and leaving, so we know he took that, and we know there was money in it. And it was the same bag as we saw after in the gas station. So maybe the cards has been, you know, uh, cancelled by Lewis. Um, that was another great thing I think by the episode that we saw Lewis and uh, Dexter uh, had a moment there. There was <laughs> definitely tension between the two of them, and uh, I think that's going to be uh, uh, important. Uh, thing in this um, this season uh, and we saw uh, Lewis <laughs> very angry at Dexter uh, so what's in store I don't know but it's going to be uh, it's going to be very interesting to, to see yeah then we had the kill of the week um, which was interesting uh, I mean I, I think again it was, it was something we had to see because it was showing Dexter doing what he does best and showing that uh, the first time in this uh, episode he was relaxed when he when he killed uh, he killed the guy um, again I didn't know Miami uh, International Airport was such a small place that you can find the guy within minutes but uh, I mean okay that was uh, that was understandable they they had to get the, the out of the way one thing I I started thinking about after I saw the episode was was uh, we didn't see Dexter dismember the body. I mean, actually he could have done it on the boat, but we didn't see that. The only thing we saw was him pushing the body out of the boat. So maybe uh, someone will find that body. Um, maybe not. I think it was, uh, like I said, a great episode. I'm really looking forward to <laughs> to to the the next episodes of the series. I know I say this every year that I'm very excited, and I mean the last two episodes. Sorry, the last two seasons hadn't been the best, but I think we uh, this could could be one of the best if it's continuing this way. So um, 
Yeah, that was it. And I just want to say thank you for doing this uh, another season, Gareth. And uh, talk to you later. Bye. Thanks, Casper. Good to hear from you. Long time contributor, but first time voicemailer. I agree about Jennifer Carpenter. She mentioned on the wrap-up podcast that she was quite green in the first season and has pretty much learned as she's gone through, much like Deborah has as a detective, which I think is a nice parallel. Regarding Dexter's credit cards and when we saw them being declined, I think that was real, that, that wasn't imagined. It was from the journey to the airport, but when we saw the journey later, they left that bit out, probably for reasons of time and that we'd already seen it earlier in the episode. So Lewis really is starting to mess with him. At this point, it feels like he's doing it in a childish way. I mean, there are people who behave like that, react in a childish way in response to things. Dexter told him his video game was a bad idea, and this is how he responds. What complicates this idea, though, is, of course, the involvement of the hand and why Lewis would send it to Dexter. For it to be a coincidence would be... (laughs) It would be a bit crap, wouldn't it? So we have to agree that there is more going on that we've yet to discover. Casper also mentioned Mike Anderson's demise and how it felt a bit rushed in terms of how the department reacted to it. And Casper, you're right to say it's not like they'd known him for long, but he was one of them, and you assume it's motivation enough for them to throw everything at the case. Batista mentioned he wouldn't be able to sleep, but that was really about it. Maybe we'll see more next time. On to an email now. Mark Thomas from Oxford here in the UK has a theory. He says, I think by the end of the show we'll learn that Harry himself was killing the guilty who had escaped justice. I could see it being revealed that Dexter is only the way he is due to Harry raising Dexter to follow in his footsteps. The realisation that Harry's tutelage was not his childhood Sorry, I'll read that again. (laughs) The realisation that Harry's tutelage, not his childhood trauma, is the true reason for the way that he is. And it will make Dexter realise that he never had psychopathic urges to kill. Rather, he was simply a product of his upbringing, and his lack of human empathy was a way of coping with what was happening. This will all be revealed by Harry's old partner, Matthews. Perhaps Harry's code was really Matthews' code for Harry while they worked together. It could be that Harry committed suicide from remorse of what he had done to Dexter, or with some retconning, Matthews did something to Harry after learning that he was training Dexter to follow his path. Or maybe going down a different route, having Matthews as the big bad of season 8. He and Harry, it would turn out, were partners in crime, or murder if you like, and since Harry's death, Matthews has been beginning to abandon the the code. This could be revealed by Deborah investigating similar cases to the dead hooker from season six. Have you got your eye on any upcoming shows to replace Dexter to podcast about after season eight? Thanks very much, Mark. Interesting theory. We've never had any hint that Harry was a killer himself, but we have talked about the nature versus nurture concept before on the podcast. That was on the review podcast, I think. At the end of season one, I went into this in quite a lot of detail, comparing Dexter to Brian. In Dexter's case, it wasn't in his nature from birth to be a killer, but he ended up going down that path through Harry's nurture. But more than that, it was Harry's nurture that channeled Dexter to killing killers, as opposed to Brian, who suffered the same trauma as Dexter at that early age, but didn't get the nurture from a loving family and fatherly mentor 
and look at how he turned out. Matthews, again, we've never had any hint he's aware of what Dexter is, or any hint that he and Harry were involved in anything murderous. But like you say, with some retconning and maybe a helpful flashback or two, the writers could come up with something. I've not heard that we've seen the last of Matthew, so I certainly do expect to see him again at some point. And your last question there about me podcasting about other shows. Dissecting Dexter is going to be around for at least another couple of years, what with seasons seven and eight and the rest of the rewatch shows. I've still got to finish season two, as I've mentioned, and then do three and four. So I suspect the final review podcast will be covering the fateful season four finale, perhaps with a special farewell show after that to finish off. After that, I'll still have my other podcast, Gareth's Waste of Time, and I talk about different TV shows on that. It's on iTunes if you want to go back and listen to old ones. Okay, next email is from Abe in Mexico. After much thought, because I hated last season so very much, I saw the premiere last night, and now I have a hunch they'll go back to the roots. There was stuff in there that felt awfully familiar to some of the things that happened in the first couple of books, in which Deb knows about Dexter and has a similar reaction to what we've seen already. And then there's La Guerta on Dexter's trail. Personally, I'm not sure I want this hunch to be right, although it might help the writers get back their sense of direction and having someone who knows what they're doing sort of guiding them through it. Take care. I hope you'll enjoy this season and keep up the great podcast. Thanks, Abe. Glad you enjoyed the premiere. I've not heard from anyone who didn't really. Going back to the show's roots, when it was definitely at its best, seasons one and two, that's not a bad thing in my book. Play to its strengths. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. I am a father. A son. A serial killer. Hi, Gareth and Dissecting uh, Dexter listeners. Um, uh, this is Dave in Ohio. Uh, just having watched the season seven premiere of Dexter. Um... Gosh, I don't know where to start. I guess I will start with the bad news first. The the hatred of the Deb in love with Dexter from season six, the season six finale, uh, last three episodes, um, I think that hatred is um, uh, justified. They dropped it. <clears throat> it went nowhere. It was a cheap lazy plot device to get Deb to find out about Dexter. Um, I think that's insulting to Deb as a character, and it's insulting to the viewers. Um, Deb is much smarter than that. As this uh, season premiere, uh, season seven premiere, showed, I have to say, watching most of the season seven premiere, I kind of really related to Deb. <laughs> in this, um, in this, this tone that, uh, I felt numb. I didn't know what to think. Uh, I felt that everything I knew about Dexter had totally changed. Um, it was a very strange, uh, experience for me. Usually I'm so excited. Even season six, just so excited by the first episode that I can't turn away for a second. I want to suddenly rewatch it. Uh, I didn't have that feeling. 
Um, that is, until the last two scenes, LaGuerta stealing the glass slide from Masuka's evidence table, that intrigued me. Uh, I liked that. Um, gave a little bit of, um, I don't know, gave a little anxiety, I guess, to the show. And the final scene with Deb finally confronting Dexter about being a serial killer and him admitting it, um, those were very good. Those are gonna. Those last two scenes are gonna keep me watching. The rest of the show, I was. I, I mean, there's interesting stuff. I'm not gonna say it was a bad show or poorly written or anything like that. There was interesting stuff, but not enough. Not like previous Dexter's, where it's like, oh my gosh, I want to know everything going on. I will say that uh, another highlight from the show was the. Uh, Batista-Quinn relationship. Uh, the scene in the bar where they're kind of getting along again, they're talking, uh, that was interesting. But then that sort of <laughs> leads me back to, wow, if that was one of the more interesting points of the show, where's Dexter gone? I'm numb. This is not the Dexter I know. Uh, my whole world's been turned upside down and I don't know what to think. Um, so we'll just keep watching and see where it goes. Um, and I think this season, like last season, looking forward to the Dissecting Dexter podcast is going to be a highlight of the Dexter season. So, Gareth, thank you for all your hard work. Uh, I've been listening, even though not contributing to the rewatches, um, enjoying them very much. I'm actually very much looking forward to the season three re rewatches. And uh, I think I'll be contributing to that because uh, Travis, your other contributor, um, uh, sees that as one of his favorite episodes. It has always been one of my least favorites, but I've rewatched it uh, since then, and I think I'll rewatch it as you do the rewatch podcast. And I'm looking forward to maybe some good discussions with you and with Travis via the podcast. So. Here's to hoping uh, episode two really kicks it into gear and picks up where those last two scenes left off. Thanks. Good stuff, Dave. Thanks. The rewatches will definitely resume in January and season three won't be far down the line, so I'll look forward to some fun back and forth between you and Travis. You mentioned the Deb in Love with Dexter plots and how they've apparently dropped it, it just being a plot device to get her to find him in the church. You could be right, but I honestly don't think we've heard the last of it. The writers had to really defend it in the face of the fan backlash. I wouldn't be surprised if it's brought up next episode, when Deb and Dex presumably have a very long heart-to-heart. -heart. Like you, I related to Deb too. And it's funny you felt a bit odd, just like I did, although maybe for slightly different reasons, because it sounds surprisingly like you didn't enjoy the episode as much as others. The crux of the episode was, Dex, was Deb's discovery, her seduction and then reawakening in more ways than one and I think that was all really well done. You feel like your Dexter world has been turned upside down and really that's exactly what has happened. We've had a game changer and we need to reorientate for the new direction. Stay with us Dave. <laughs> Go on. It was you who coined the phrase trust the show wasn't it? Trust the show my friend. 
Another email now from Sandy Marshall in Ireland. She writes, So it begins with a flash-forward to the airport. All my favourite shows seem to have a flash-forward craze. Lost, Breaking Bad and now Dexter. The now infamous scene of Dex and Deborah in the church got me thinking. Here we are seeing someone getting a sneak peek into Dexter's real life. The cinematography was great here. Note the lighting in the church peering in. They seem to have a similar setup with the last scene. Dark backgrounds contrasting with huge, bright, enlightening moments of the story between Dexter and Deb. So Deb crossed the line by getting the gasoline. This no doubt will be eating away at her for this season. Lewis was great in this episode with his whole, oh I am super sorry for going into Dexter's side of the apartment. Later shown to be trying to turn Jamie against Dexter but making subtle suggestions about Dexter's integrity. Oh how I look forward to seeing this one play out. Why didn't Dexter check his laptop browsing history? Surely a must for a seasoned pro like Dexter. He'd check that. But I guess the producers don't want us to go there. Yet. You might recall my emails last year about Dexter appearing to have a poor relationship with Harrison. This week's episode showing him not putting a photo of Harrison into his bug out bag reinforced my view of Dexter the dodgy daddy. Another small nitpick I had was if you were to actually pay for cash for a flight, you would be flagged by security at the airport. But I was willing to let that one go at the risk of being a negative numpty. For me, the last minute of this episode trumped the last minute of last year's finale. I never thought I would say that, but the fact that Deborah found so much incriminating stuff at the apartment, including Lewis, Lewis's dropped-off package, The Hand. Can't believe so much was revealed in one episode. Best thing is, we only have a week to wait for the next instalment. Final thought, will we see Dexter live out his last few days in Budapest, seeking vengeance of a loved one? You heard it here first. Two year ahead prediction. <laughs> Thanks, Sandy. First thing, you, you mentioned the look of the episode and some moments of nice lighting. The cinematographer this season looks set to be a guy called Jeffrey Jur, who apparently takes over from Romeo Taroni, who's been more heavily involved in True Blood lately. Jur has quite a long CV, most recently shooting shows like Flash Forward, Heart of Dixie, Dirty Sexy Money and the unfortunately very short-lived series Lone Star. Not to mention films like Joyride, The Last Seduction and a small, not very well-known Patrick Swayze film called Dirty Dancing. <laughs> But it'll be fascinating to see if the general look of the show changes very much this season. Because they do seem to maintain a fairly steady general look, general feel of, sort of visual feel of the show. And I do know they're always keen to maintain that Miami feel when the show's filmed in LA. And you make a good point about paying cash at the airports. Now, I don't know if security would be alerted, but it's a fair question. And yes, we'll let it slide when the rest of the episode was so solid. And you make another good point about Dexter's parenting. But while I did think, hey, what about a photo of Harrison? When he left with his getaway bag, we learned that he's not actually running away on this occasion, just going to the airport to kill the Russians. So he had no need to take the photo because he was coming back. Hey there, guys, it's Josh here. And the wait is over. Dexter's finally back. More importantly, dissecting Dexter's back. Everyone excited? I am. I am. I am. Okay. Well, Dexter. Um, first off, I want to go to the end of the episode first, because the last scene of the episode was powerful, and I, I dug it. It was good. 
Dexter gets home. Deb find Deb has everything spread out for him. It's like, is this all you? Are you, are you a serial killer? Yes, yes, because Dexter's caught. The whole episode, Dexter was barely lying. His he was not lying his way through anything. Um, which is good because honestly, I thought this whole Deb and Dexter um, thing was gonna drag drag on for a couple episodes before she found out that he was a multiple killer. He's killed multiple people, but uh, it took her one episode to do it, and that was good. It should have only because she's a smart. Um, she's smart, so it's not, I would have thought it would have been dumb to drag that investigation quote unquote out for more than one episode. But now she knows the truth. Truth that he is a serial killer, not just a one-time killer of somebody with all that class scrap and. Uh, ritualistic killing and disposal of the body and all that stuff. So yeah, Deb found it out pretty quick. I'm happy for that. It's going to be such a good uh, good season. i got to imagine that Dexter is going to have to tell Deb everything about everything that's happened up to this point and about Harry. So that'll be good stuff. I there's definitely going to be a good season of acting from Jennifer Carpenter and a good season of acting from Michael C. Hall. One thing I was worried about, too, is that with this very tense situation that Dex wouldn't be doing any more killing, and it might turn out that way. We'll see, but um, I was also a little worried that there wouldn't be any more fun this season, too, because, you know, it's getting serious now. But um, I loved the the kill scene where Dexter was just riding around in the wheelchair waiting for him to wake up. That was cool. I got a chuckle out of that. Uh, other than that, though, the rest of the episode, the rest of the stuff going on, I'm kind of sad that Mike died already. Um, but, yet again, it is Dexter, and, you know, that's what they do best, is kill characters in one season. Unfortunately, they didn't do that with Lewis, and he's just as boring to me as ever, so I hope Dexter just kills him this season and gets it over with. Although Josh Cook seemed like a nice guy, I just don't like the character at all. Just very boring to me. Um, and the international stuff, I'm not looking forward to it, but yet again, it's just another frickin' storyline for Miami Metro to figure out, so... Yeah, whatever, we'll give it a chance, I guess. I don't know. I just don't like the whole international thing. Terrorists. I don't know if it's terrorists, but international crime, I'm not really too thrilled about. So we'll see. We'll see. We have a long season ahead of us, Gareth, and uh, my thanks for doing this podcast yet again. So have a good one, guys. What? Lewis? Boring? I suppose within the show he's an ordinary guy, but, you know, they the characters in the show might call him boring, but... Given what he did last season with the hand, for many of us as viewers, it made him a whole big heap of intriguing. A storyline, as regular listeners know, I really appreciated. For me, he was a highlight in a very ordinary season of Dexter. But it still remains to be seen if the Lewis story will pay out in a compelling way. But for now, I like how they're just drip-feeding him to us, little by little. I think he'll have bigger moments, or a bigger contribution to make later on. On the positive, you predict good things from Jennifer Carpenter and Michael C. Hall this season. So do I, and I'll stick my neck out now and predict an Emmy nomination for Jennifer next year. 
Thanks, Josh. On to another email now, Danielle from Sydney in Australia. She writes, The first episode did not disappoint and they haven't wasted any time with Deborah uncovering the truth. It might be too soon to call it, but looks like the Deb loves Dex thing is dead. How can she be thinking about that now that she knows Dexter's secret? Hopefully this revelation has snapped her out of that mad thought. It bothers me how easily Dexter could bail on Harrison. A skate bag at the ready and a quick glance at a photograph, then he's ready to disappear. Can Deb be the one to save Dexter? To rid him of his dark passenger? Maybe it's not the children that will be his saviour after all. Sometimes I feel he's really out of control and not the careful Dexter of old. His rapid stalking and kill of the Ukraine guy while under Deborah's suspicion seems greatly at odds with the number one rule of the code, don't get caught. And I'm a bit let down by the way the ice truck killer hand was laid out on the table with the slides by Deb. Where was the backstory on how Dexter discovered it and his reaction to it? Thanks, Danielle, and thanks for the iTunes review. Very kind. It might indeed be too soon to call you-know-what dead, but I'm sure the writers will tell us that it was Deb's newly realised feelings that eased the way to her helping Dexter burn the church. Dexter, he's always been quick to satisfy his dark passenger over being there for Harrison. I've knocked Harry's parenting many times, but actually is Dexter much better in the scheme of things? Harrison's had a string of nannies since Rita died, and probably goes whole days without even seeing his dad because we often see Dexter come home after Harrison's gone to sleep. It's not good really. The quick track and kill of the Russian. It was hasty and I said in my review that I question his choice of kill room but the whole thing of Dexter getting him was him needing to get some control back. He doesn't think like we do so while it might be hard for us to understand so soon after what happened the day before it made sense for him. Finally, you mentioned the hand. I'm sure we all wondered how that was found. I think in the moment it probably didn't even register with Dexter, but perhaps next episode we'll see him wonder where it came from. Another email from Nick Henderson, host of the excellent four-player podcast. Nick writes, Here we are again with another exciting season of Dexter in front of us. While season six certainly left a lot to be desired, I felt it did an adequate job of setting the stage for a thrilling conclusion to the series. The premiere episode set out to accomplish a lot and succeeded for the most part. Here are my thoughts about the premiere. The flash forward at the beginning was a fun way to throw the audience off before bringing us back to the moment of truth in the church. Seeing Dexter Start that again. Seeing Dexter and Deb both react to this scenario is something we have all been waiting for since the first season when Deb was on Brian's table. I was initially bothered by the rather implausible excuses that Dexter came up with until I tried to think of what I might say to explain or rationalise what she'd seen. In the end, he did a pretty impressive job of misleading her, even if it was short-lived. The performances from Michael and Jennifer were spot-on in this scene, and for the first time in a long time, Dexter seemed genuine. His panic-stricken face when he realised he'd been caught was only topped by the wave of calm that swept over him when he realised that he had to regain control of the situation. Watching him flip the switch and immediately begin to fire off excuses was creepy and appropriately uncomfortable. On a side note, Deb's delivery of the line, pretty fucking weird, will forever be my favourite line of the show. <laughs> 
Perhaps the most satisfying aspect of this episode was how willing the writers were to approach the situation head on. They didn't hold back. Deb interrogated Dexter over every little detail, even the little things that the, nor the audience normally picks up on, but is usually avoided by the writers for the sake of convenience. I love that she asked him what he meant by, I know what I'm doing. I really appreciate that the writers didn't cheapen the moment by making Deb appear to be naive or gullible. You can see the doubt in her face in every scene, which built up to the final scene beautifully. The other elements of the episode are worth mentioning, but will likely come into play more in the coming episodes. Lewis continues to intrigue me, but I'm getting more and more concerned that he's just going to be a stalker character that won't actually have any real connection to Dexter or Brian's past. Rest in peace, Mike Anderson. I'm really going to miss the flamingo. I am sad to see him go, especially when I hoped he would eventually become a character similar to Doak's. Mike's death led me to my only major gripe with this episode. No one on the team really seemed to react to Mike's death. It was back to business as usual. There was no emotion at the scene of his death. I know he wasn't around for very long, but I was under the impression that police officers usually take the death of a colleague a bit more seriously. The airport kill will likely be compared to the EMS kill in last season's premiere, since there were clearly a few too many logical oversights. However, wrapping his head in plastic and then bashing his brain in with a fire extinguisher made for one of the more brutal but creative kills that I've seen on the show in a long time. I also loved how he put the body in a surfboard bag and walking him straight out of the airport. When you think about it, the airport is one of the only places that you might be able to push around a large body-sized bag without anyone questioning you. And lastly, the final scene was brilliant. I had a feeling she might ask him, are you a serial killer, given the episode title, but to see him answer so honestly was a real twist. The cat is out of the bag, and the landscape of the entire show has shifted dramatically. I can't wait to see where we go from here. I feel like this season will ultimately end up being a journey of acceptance for Deb. By episode 712, I suspect that Deb will not only accept her brother for who he is, but be thankful for it. Thanks, Nick. You're right. The writers charged straight in and wasted no time in messing around. Deb just about hit the jackpot, and I applaud them for not dragging it out, not shying away from it, or attempting any crap cop-out. You mentioned fears for Lewis just being a stalker. It, 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 <laughs> it is possible, but I keep coming back to the hand and how he knew it would make an impact on Dexter or at least hoped, unless it boils down simply to him hacking the computer or the police database and finding out the connection between Dexter and the ice truck killer, or maybe just between Deb and the ice truck killer, knowing Deb's Dexter's sister. And you're right about the final scene, really well done, and some very pregnant pauses. I love Dexter's eyes, just shutting in that last second as he admitted being a serial killer. I think you're probably right about the arc of the season, Deb will struggle and kick against it, but she'll be moved by this sad path that Dexter took, guided by their shared father, moved by what started it. Maybe Harry's endorsement of what Dexter does will help her come to terms with it. Maybe she'll reject both of them for a while. Thanks, Nick. Hey, Gareth. It's Ken from Pittsburgh. It's been like nine months since I called you, but it feels like just yesterday. Um, man, okay, so... Season 7 premiere, last night. And I know the last time I called you, I said, it's time to stop trusting the show, but 
can't help that there are a few signs in this episode that maybe there is some honesty or there's something left in the show to trust. Um, I think setting up LaGuerta as a problem this season, uh, Deborah finding out everything in the first episode, uh, and Quinn and Batista addressing last year's problems, I feel like these are all signs that the show has a direction and there's an interest uh, in the writers to get things moving, you know? So, I don't know. Uh, besides the um, Dexter airport kill scene, uh, that was pretty much on board for the whole episode, so I'm excited. And, uh, and this, the Ukraine mob thing is really... Um, I didn't read any previews or anything about what the season seven was going to entail, so the whole mob thing kind of caught me off guard, and I'm really excited for that. So uh, I'm excited for more Dissecting Dexter, man. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks, Ken. You're clearly feeling optimistic for the season, that the writers have a direction. I completely agree. Deb's discovery was the big thing they've been holding back, and now they've done it, it opens up all these new possibilities for story arcs. They don't need to tread water anymore. They know they've just got two seasons left. Well, <laughs> let's just assume that's true and not even contemplate Showtime getting greedy and extending it, although Michael C. Hall might be the stumbling block there. But they have an end date and can just focus on setting up the end game with two seasons to do it. Okay, G-Man, this is T-Bone. Enough with the pretense. You know what I'm calling for. Let's get down to business. The premiere of season seven of Dexter. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, despite my not being exactly enthused with the past two seasons, or perhaps because of it, I, I was really impressed with the se- uh, with the premiere. However, because of the same. My same dislike for the past two seasons. Uh, I'm not exactly quite ready to say this is going to be the bestest season ever. Uh, I'm going to play that by ear. But I, w- I was really happy with it. Um, I guess the thing that I really liked the most about it was the fact that Deb asked all the right questions. They didn't fuck around about this. You know, like, she, you know, why why was I wrapped in plastic? How do you remember this? What the fuck were you doing? How'd you get those knives and stuff? I mean, yeah, I, I, I think a lot of people, or maybe I could just speak for myself, thought that Deb was going to be a dumbass and not not say the right things, or Dexter was going to pacify her, but I was really impressed by that. And so, you know, by the end, she essentially knows everything. What I'm curious about, though, is, I mean, she should know that Dexter's the butcher, right? I mean, the blood slides, and then Dexter admits that he killed those people that the blood slides, I guess, belonged to. So, I mean, I was surprised that her question at the end was, are you a serial killer? I'm surprised it wasn't, are you the Bay Harbor Butcher? Uh, speaking of the Bay Harbor Butcher, I thought Masuka's little exposition to LaGuerta about the Butcher was a little unnecessary. I mean, I guess it was for the audience, for people perhaps like my mother or something who who maybe uh, wouldn't remember all the little details, who don't listen to podcasts about Dexter. You know, he said, LaGuerta asked about those blood slides, and he's like, well, the only person who took blood slides was Sergeant James Dokes. And you remember, he was the Bay Harbor Butcher, because that's why he took those blood slides. You know, it's like, if anybody should know who Dokes was, and what Dokes did, or at least what Dexter framed Dokes of doing, 
it should be these people. I don't think it was necessary for Masuka to have to spell it out for LaGuerta, but I guess he was really spelling it out more for the audience than for LaGuerta. Um, the, the Lewis story kind of got continued this episode, and I, you know, I, I liked the, I guess I liked it, I'm still confused, but I, I am a little worried, though, because Lewis has some crazy big hard-on for Dexter, and he's getting kind of whiny and a little bitchy about it, you know, like, with his girlfriend Jamie, like, oh, isn't Dexter such a meanie and stuff like that? I'm afraid the story's not going to pan out as cool as I thought it would. Uh, I'm afraid, I don't know, uh, you know what I mean? Am I making sense? Give me some feedback. You give me feedback, Gareth. I'm afraid that maybe this isn't as... He, he's not as sinister as I thought, and maybe he is just more of a lunatic than, like, a cool killer or something. Um, I Something I noticed was uh, the strategic... You know, we, we strategically didn't see Travis Marshall's face in the episode. They didn't want to bother to get Colin Hanks back, so they just had some stand-in, or perhaps it was even just a mannequin to be the fake Travis Marshall on the table. Hey, I get that. I also noticed, similarly, we didn't really see Harrison this episode. Um, you know, we saw him laying down on the bed, but his face was kind of obscured, and then we saw, like, a photograph with him. Um, with, you know, when it was on Dexter's desktop. Uh, I'm having my, one of my theories, or an idea for the season, I'm thinking Harrison, they might be trying to write him out, or at least just phase him out a little bit. You know, the little, the toddlers that play him, surely they're getting too old to play, you know, a two-year-old. I mean, it's been a year since the previous season and whatnot. I mean, they could replace the actors, you know, but I, you know my opinion on how those toddlers have a unique face. Uh, I don't know if you could exactly replace them without it being noticeable. But the toddlers must be getting too old. They could write the kids, write those, uh, that's the son out, like they wrote Astro and Cody, because, I mean, those toddlers would probably look old enough to date Jamie now, if you know what I'm saying. Um, I really liked the feeling that I was, like, hanging out with all my old buddies again. Like, I don't know, I really felt like, oh, it's, my, it's the, old, the old gang's back together. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the next episode. I haven't really looked forward to another episode of Dexter since, like, uh, before season five, or I mean, sometime during season five, maybe in the beginning, I was really looking forward to the next episode. Um, so it felt good to, to really, to look forward to that. Um, I wish that the main, the main story this season was just going to focus on Dexter and Deb. I know that's not going to happen, and I know that's much easier said than done. But, you know, I really like where this is going, and I kind of wish that there didn't have to be other stories to complicate that. Uh, even if it meant having a shorter season, like, more like how Breaking Bad had a short season this year, maybe I wouldn't mind that if it meant that story would be really, really tight, and also if it meant that Dexter wasn't going to get another you know, friend or girlfriend or whatever. Um, I noticed that the dude took the uh, girl's bracelet, and then right before he, his body got dumped, we saw a nice clean shot of that. So I'm wondering what that means, if it means anything. I don't think it'd be something like a tracking device, but it was really curious that we saw that. How, uh, how, I don't know, why do we see that? I don't know. Um, I'm sorry if I'm rambling or taking too long. I just want to point out a la the last minute few things I noticed. Ramos and Soda Quest were in this episode. We talked about that during the uh, podcast we did. Gareth, if you remember, they both had FaceTime and Ramos even had a line. He told he was at the mic scene in the yellow shirt and he told he told Deb something like, hey, you can leave now or something like that. Uh, iPhone apps that scan fingerprints. What is this? The Jetsons? What do we live in the future? I don't know. Did anybody? Was that weird to anybody else? Maybe it's just me. Um... Lastly, I guess, uh, I like kind of like the fan service we're getting this season. They kind of, a, th there was that little debacle in season five when 
Dexter, or uh, when, no, it was when Dexter referred to his own brother as Rudy, when Dexter really should be referring to his brother as Brian. And then remember in this episode, Deb kind of, kind maybe this was the writers kind of playing with that because Deb said something along the lines of like, hey, remember your brother Rudy or De Brian or well, whatever his name is. I thought that, you know, maybe that's kind of cool. Uh, but speaking of fan service, now there's an official Dexter podcast as people may know and we're getting like behind the scenes videos on the website and stuff like i feel like showtime finally cares about the fans you know this is some hbo and amc have been doing for their shows forever and now showtime's finally getting on board you know i guess it's not too little too late but uh yeah i guess that's it i don't want to take up so much time i'm sure i did gareth edit out anything you want ever uh you're the man and uh Oh, wait, Deb on live TV? Remember Deb was watching the news? And it was like, oh, live right now. And she was like at home watching it, but it said her interview was live. That made no, no sense. That just proves you can't trust the media. But I can trust you, Gareth. I like you. Thanks, Travis. Always a pleasure. Your first point was a good one. And credit to the writers for doing it. Deb did ask the right questions, picking holes in Dexter's defense and flimsy explanations, as we would and have done in the past. It's like the writers preempted this, but it also pays proper credit to Deb's ability as an investigator. Having short-changed her skills by having her discover Dexter's secret by accident rather than piece it together herself, they gave due consideration to her intelligence here. It was only her love for Dexter, coupled with Dexter's own quick wits and skillful manipulation, that led her to accept his explanation and help him, albeit only accepting it for a short time until again her intelligence came back into play and she realised it didn't add up, obviously spurred on by her latent memories of Brian's table. But I thought it was all nicely constructed by the writers. Your comments about Lewis echo those of one or two other listeners this week, and they're completely fair. He was whiny, wasn't he? Like I described him earlier, he seemed childish. We know from producer Sarah Colleton that he's not going to be a big bad, but perhaps he'll just be a spanner in the works, as he seems set on screwing with Dexter. I have been hoping for bigger things for Lewis, but it's early days. Maybe things will develop for the better. The fingerprint app on Dexter's iPhone. I did comment to my wife at the time, looks like Apple is sponsoring the show this year with some product placement, but the app, it struck me. I did a little looking online and found that there is fingerprint recognition on the iPhone 5, but only to secure the phone. But then I found an article from 2011 that talked about police having a new application called Morris that does fingerprint, iris and facial recognition. And it's linked to the Justice Department. So it does exist <laughs> and you learn something new every day. And stop press at the 11th hour, Matt Battles emailed in, Matt from London, and he writes to say, What a waste of a character. Why even bother casting Mike? He had such promise last season, great dynamics with the flamingoing perps, only to have them essentially pull a Santa Muerta and get rid of him. He was essentially just reduced to a simple plot device. Yeah, I have to agree there, Matt. Who goes on to say, The writers also, I felt, pulled a very cheap move with the opening being about Dexter going on the run, the audience knew that's not how things would start. Why try to pretend otherwise? I thought it was rich of Quinn to be calling anyone a pervert, given his activities of late. It was funny, but I couldn't help but snorting, look who's talking. 
On the subject of Quinn, is it me, or have they just tried to sweep everything from last season under the rug? Let's bear in mind that this episode spans only two days since the last season finale. It just feels as though they're being a little lazy with a certain with, with certain storylines. I wasn't expecting things to move as quickly as they did. I was expecting Dexter to have his first murder, and then, and then the kill tools on the desk confession moment to follow in episode two. I hope this means that they've got an intense and fast-moving story, and that they're not just getting everything out of the way quickly, which I'm a little afraid of. Lewis was odd. I mean... I know he's supposed to be an internet genius and everything, but is it really believable that he could close a bank account with a click of a mouse? Anyway, bad points aside, let's do the good. Michael C. Hall and Jennifer Carpenter were outstanding. Their opening and end scenes in particular were chilling. You could feel what they were going through. Very, very hard to look away. New Young Dexter was fantastic. Played the role really well. TV shows seem to be casting some great kids lately. Brief question. Little Debbie playing with the puppy. Is it me or did that look as fake as hell? There was also one other particular thing that stood out for me. When Deborah was in Dexter's office and she looked on his computer and saw the desktop background of her, Dex and Harrison there, was this little strain of music. I don't think they've ever used it before, but it was great. It really made the hairs on my arm stand up. If we get more scenes between Dex and Deb, which of course we will, this has to be the making of a fantastic season. It's been two days since I saw the premiere and I'm already jonesing for the next one. Thanks, Matt. Regarding Quinn, I think they were just too busy with more important stuff this episode to do much about him. But they did have that scene with Batista when it seemed Quinn wasn't rushing to get any help. I'm sure they'll revisit him soon and resume the tensions between him and Angel. About the kids they had playing young Deb and Dex, they were okay. They didn't offend me. I just found it a little strange because having been doing the rewatches, I'm so accustomed to the kids they used in the flashbacks back then. Right, thanks everybody. A fantastic batch of feedback this week. Much appreciated. If anyone else wants to email the show, the address is dissectingdexter at gmail.com or there are the listener lines in the US and this number is available internationally as well, although of course international call rates will apply. But in the US, the number is 646-222-6122. In the UK, it's 0844-579-6949. And with that one, you enter mailbox number 08320 when the voice prompts you. You can also follow the show on Twitter, at DissectDexter, or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth underscore UK. And there's the Facebook page. Jump onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter, and you can't miss it feel free to post anything on there any discussion you want to start up or contribute anything you want to post as long as it's not spoilery <laughs> obviously i reserve the right to uh, remove any posts that do give anything too significant away did you kill all these people i did you're listening to dissecting dexter right are you a serial killer? Yes. This podcast is sponsored by Audible.com, one of the leading online purveyors of audio content, with a catalogue of over 100,000 titles encompassing just about any subject you can imagine, fiction or non-fiction. 
If, like me, you have a long commute to work, audio content is a bloody lifesaver. <laughs> and Audible are offering Dissecting Dexter listeners a free audiobook download if you sign up for a free one-month no-obligation trial. In doing so, you'll also be supporting me and the podcast. I do honestly incur occasional costs in producing the show, and I do get a small kickback for every person who signs up for a trial. So pop over to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Check it out, and if you sign up for a free trial, you'll be helping the podcast in the process, and my sincere thanks go to those of you who already have. If you need some inspiration for an audiobook, let me recommend something. Something sensible, none of this Fifty Shades of Grey shite. I'm a fan of Dexter, of course, and a fan of crime fiction in general, and if it involves horrible murders, then all the better. Should my wife be worried? (laughs) But if you like your crime fiction gritty, and with a touch of the supernatural, and a very dark sense of humour, then give John Connolly's novels a go, particularly the Charlie Parker series. The first book in the series is called Every Dead Thing, And the synopsis goes as follows. Tormented and racked with guilt over the brutal slaying of his wife and daughter, Charlie Parker, ex-cop with NYPD, agrees to track down a missing girl. It's a search that will lead him into an abyss of evil. At the same time, he is warned by an old black woman in Louisiana that the travelling man is about to strike again. Multiple strands converge with a horrific confrontation in which Hunter and Hunted are intimately connected by guilt. They're really well-written books, and well worth checking out. Every Dead Thing is the first of them, so enjoy, and who knows, maybe you'll be able to support the podcast in this uh, in this small way. Thanks, guys. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. Okay, spoiler free, these are just my thoughts on what might be coming up next time. I've not read any synopsis for episode 2, but I am about to mention the episode title, so skip forward a minute if you don't want to know it. Season 7, episode 2 is called Sunshine in a Frosty Swirl. Somewhat cryptic, given what's been happening, and I can't take much from it. Maybe it will refer to something we see in a flashback, because I suspect a good chunk of the next episode will follow on from the end of this last episode. In fact, in fact, wouldn't it be brilliant and perhaps bold to devote the bulk, if not all the episode, to Deb and Dexter sitting in his apartment going over everything, complemented by some flashbacks maybe? A bottle episode, but how powerful could that be? Other shows do it, why not Dexter? And what better time to do it than now? As viewers, we want Deb and Dexter to go over everything. Deb will be full of questions, and maybe it will be a conversation to provoke some genuine human emotion from Dexter. Maybe, maybe even his first tear. Wouldn't that be something? Now, of course, I've not seen the preview for next week, so I have no idea what they're doing. But if I was writing the show, that's what I'd go for. However... My gut tells me this won't happen. I'm sure we'll have a lengthy scene in Dexter's apartment, but there's other stuff to attend to, like what's Lewis going to do next? Batista and Quinn investigating the Russians, the mob boss wondering what's happened to his guy. And let's not forget the minor detail, not so minor, of what LaGuardia's going to do about the blood slide. Honestly, it's that last one that's got me most interested currently, outside the Deb Discovery stuff. But for now, it's overtaken my interest in what Lewis is up to. 
And so we come to the end of the first review podcast of Season 7. A great opener to the season, I'm sure you'll agree. Dexter, that is, not the podcast. (laughs) Okay, so I won't take up any more of your time. I'll just say thanks very much for listening. Thanks for your feedback. Thanks for your downloads. And until next week, when we dissect some more new Dexter together, cheers for now. Bye.